Lord, give me you. Amen. Praise God. Welcome to Shore Foundation Church. I'm Pastor John. We're so glad to see you this morning. So glad that you are with us this afternoon or this evening, whenever you're listening, whatever you're doing, as you listen, we just trust the spirit of God that he will minister in a special way that you will hear the voice of Almighty God speaking to you, that you will that you will experience the heartbeat of the Holy Spirit, and that you would just be blessed tremendously. So we welcome you to Sure Foundation Church. We're going to open up with the word of God. I'm going to turn over here to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Praise God. And beginning with verse 1. Who's there? Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, there is one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore, he said, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slate of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive, but speaking the truth and love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, for whom the whole bit body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies according to the effectual working of, in the measure of every part makes increase of the body unto itself in love. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Oh, there's a whole lot here. Who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness, but you have not so learned Christ. If so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Father, we thank you right now for your presence. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, for your mercy. We thank you, Lord, for your loving kindness and your truth that is continually preserving us, whether we feel it or not. 
whether we think like it is or not, whether we think we can see it or, or whether we can, we can ex whether we feel we have experienced it or not. We thank you, Lord God, that your loving kindness and your truth are continually preserving us. Holy Spirit, we ask you to settle on us right now, wherever we are, whatever we are doing. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence. We thank you, Lord God, that no weapon formed against your people would prosper and no weapon of the enemy formed against this time with you would prosper. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you would speak expressly unto your people this day. We thank you, Lord God, that we are your people, that we are here not by our own might nor power, but by the spirit of the Lord. And we thank you, Lord God, that you are comforting your people right now. Lord, those who are mourning on the inside, Lord, those who are sad, those who are down, I thank you, Lord, that you are comforting them right now, that there is a lifting up for them right now. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that deep will call unto deep at the noise of the water spouts of the Holy Ghost this morning. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that the streams of righteousness will come like waves this morning. We thank you, Lord God, that your people will be lifted up this morning, that they will be edified, that they will be inspired, that they will be encouraged in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Lord God, that, be, that despite the threatenings of the enemy, you have granted unto your servant that with all boldness I will make known the mystery of your gospel. As I stretch forth your hand, as I lift up my voice to speak, that you would speak through me, that signs and wonders might be done by the name of your holy child, Jesus. And if you're in agreement with that prayer, then say amen. Amen. Praise God. Welcome to Shore Foundation Church. I'm Pastor John, your host. You can, excuse me, you can find us online at www.shorefoundationchurchnj.org. You can subscribe with us on YouTube and follow us on Facebook at Shore Foundation Church NJ. And we urge you to please like us on Facebook. Please subscribe on YouTube. Please make sure that you share these messages. What a wonderful way for the Lord to lay the souls of others to your account just by you subscribing and sharing a message of, uh, um, that that's going to give you an opportunity to share the gospel in a virtual way. And it's a blessing because it allows us to increase our visibility there virtually so that other people can be blessed so that God's word can go forth in the way that he desires it to go. So we encourage you to subscribe on Facebook and follow us on, on, on um, or subscribe on YouTube, follow us on Facebook. And you can also follow on Instagram at Sure Foundation Church. Praise God. We're going to jump right into the word of God this morning. And boy, this is a difficult message to, to title. I'm not sure how to title this message. I, I've just been praying even up all the way up to this point, And I'm not really sure what to call this message. I guess I would call it God's ability to make something out of you. Hallelujah. God wants to make something out of you. God wants to make something out of me. God wants to make something out of our lives. So the message today is God's ability to make something out of us and through us. Praise God. And we're going to go over here. We're going to begin and we already kind of started in, in the book of Ephesians. Um, uh, we're going to go ahead and we'll just jump right into the word. So let's go to the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter 23, Numbers chapter 23. And we're not going to read the whole chapter. Uh, there's a whole lot here, but I'll give you a brief synopsis and then we're going to skip down here. But Numbers chapter 23, in the book of Numbers chapter 23, there's this ungodly dignitary. His name is Balak. This, uh, he's this, this uh, ungodly king. 
um, does not have the spirit of God. Um, and he is, uh, he's a, he was an ungodly king of Moab. Uh, this person, Balak, his name actually means devastator because he had a problem with God's people and he wanted God's people cursed. He basically was afraid of God's people. He could see that God was increasing them, that their numbers were getting greater and greater. And so Balak was a different kind of devastator. He didn't just decide that he wanted to come against God's armies and God's enemies with, 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 with an army of his own that what he felt was greater than God's army. No, Balak was a different kind of king with a different kind of demonic mindset against God's people. And so he thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to hire a prophet. I'm going to hire somebody that will curse God's people. Because at that time, many of the surrounding nations around the, the people of Israel, uh, you know, not even just the people of Israel, but a lot of, a lot of dignitaries, a lot of kings of other nations at that time, they didn't just believe in the power of their army. A lot of them believed in the ability to curse the armies that, were, that they were fighting so that something supernaturally bad would happen to them in the course of the warfare. Balak decides that he's going to hire Balaam. You know, Balaam is this, ends up being this, this, this prophet that God uses, but Moab, uh, uh, the king of Moab, Balak decided, decides he's going to hire Balaam to curse God's people. And he basically tries to bribe Balaam to do so. And <laughs> Balaam tells him more than once, listen, I, I understand what you're asking of me and I'll, I'll go to God, but whatever God tells me, that's what I'm going to tell you. And basically, I'm just giving you a little backstory. Basically, Balaam says, yeah, I understand that. But here's a, here's, here's a couple of dollars. Here's a whole bunch of oxen and a whole bunch of things that you can sacrifice to your God. Just come back and give me the news that I want. Give me, you know, give me what I'm asking you. Go ahead and make sure that you curse. And we know God's not going to curse his own people. I mean, come on. God's not going to do that. But Balaam goes along and he says, okay, I'll take the oxen. I'll sacrifice to God. You stay over there near the oxen. I'm going to go over here. He does this twice. He tells Balak twice, you stay here. I'm going to go to God and I'm going to see what he tells me, but whatever he tells me. And obviously God is not going to tell Balaam, yeah, curse my people. And so anyway, um, we go, we're going to skip down here. Just give you a quick little backstory. We'll skip down here to Numbers chapter 23. And we're talking about God's ability to make you and to make things happen in your life. And we're going to go over here to verse 19 of Numbers chapter 23. And it says, God is, I'm going to go back to verse 18. Glory to God. Uh, verse 18 says, and he took up his parable and said, rise up, Balak, and hear. This is Balaam talking to, to Balak, the, the crazy king of Moab. Rise up, Balak, and hear. Hear and obey. Hearken unto me, son of Zippor. And then he tells him, verse 19, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? And verse 20 says, behold, I have received commandment to bless, and he hath blessed. And then he says in, verse, in, the, in the last part of that verse, verse 20, he says, and I cannot reverse it glory to god this is so powerful because we can see here this king of moab this this ungodly king devises a unique plan to destroy god's people I, I want you to know that by the spirit of god there are things in your life that the enemy has set unique traps to try to get you 
Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you know this past week, there were things that happened that if you tried to devise it yourself, that this would happen, you couldn't come up with a plan like this. That's how the enemy tries to work. The enemy was trying to work against God's people here in Numbers chapter 23 through this ungodly king of Moab, Balak, with, with, with a crazy thing. He basically tried to bribe God's prophet to curse God's people. I mean, if that's not a crazy, wicked device of the enemy to try to bring our destruction, I don't know what is. But here we see in verse 19, Balaam tells, Balaam tells Balak, God's not a man he should lie to the son of man he should repent. If God said something, he's going to do it. If he spoke it, he's going to make it good. And verse 20, he says, I keep, you, you keep asking me and trying to bribe me to curse God's people, but I'm a prophet. I'm, I'm going to say whatever God told me to say. If you go up in the, in the chapter, he says, whatever words God puts in my mouth. That's what he says twice in the book of between Numbers 22 and 23. Twice, he says, whatever words God puts in my mouth, that's what I'm going to say. And then verse 20, he tells Balak again, he said, listen, I know what you're asking, but I'm not going to go against what God tells me. He said, God's keep, every time I go to God, even with all your bribes, God won't let me curse his people. God keeps telling me to bless his people. Let that encourage somebody this morning. You know, on purpose, the enemy was trying to get the prophet of God to say something that was not what God was instructing him to say. To get, to, to get him to curse God's people, and he couldn't do it. He says, I received commandments of bless because God has blessed. And then, he, and then the prophet tells Balak, I cannot reverse it. Now we're talking this morning about God's ability to make things happen in your life. And we can see that here in verse 19. In the verse prior to this, it says, or hath he spoken and shall he not make it good? Now I want to encourage you this morning that God and you know this, you, I, I know this, God is the maker of all things. God made you, God made me, God made our personalities, God made our brains, he made our nervous system, God made our, our, us to the cellular, molecular, molecular, atom level. You know, if there's a level lower than that, that we haven't yet discovered, God made us to that level. God understands the way we tick, the way we think, God knows our strengths. He knows our weaknesses. God knows how many hairs and the number on our head. God is the maker of all things. We know that out of the word of God. And yet and still, the Bible says that you and I have been made. We have been created in his image. We're talking this morning about God's ability to make you, to make things happen on your behalf. And here's our first point is that God wants to make something good in your life. And we see that right here in verse 19 of Numbers chapter 23. It says, or God, or has not, it says God's not a man he should lie, neither a son of man that he should repent or have to um, redo something or undo something over and over and over again. Or God is not a, a, a son of man that he should have to, uh, that he made, that he has to, that he makes mistakes and has to come back up to where he was because he made mistakes. God doesn't lie. God doesn't make mistakes. And then it says, and then last part of that verse, did God not say, and shall he not do it? And then the final part says, or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? This phrase, make it good, is powerful. This phrase, make good, it's in the Hebrew, it means that when God speaks his word, he's going to make good on his word. Hallelujah. He's a God of his word. You know, as people, we aspire to be people of our word, but God, he's a God of his word. And the Bible says right here, 
if God spoke it, he's going to make it good. We're talking about this morning about God's ability to make you, make me, to make things good for us. Our first point is that God's making it good for you. He's going to make his word good in your life. He's going to make God's word good in your life, and he's going to make things good in your life. This phrase, make good, in the Hebrew, it means that God is going to arise and become powerful in your life. In the Hebrew, it means that God is going to arise and he's going to come on the scene of your life. Anybody in a, in a place right now where you need God to come on the scene, glory to God. Let this encourage you. Where it says, for hath he spoken and shall he not make it good, that those words make it good means that God in the Hebrew, it means that God is arising and he's going to become powerful, but he's arising and he's going to come on the scene. It means this make it good phrase means that God is going to establish something in your life. God is about to confirm something in your life. It means that God is going to stand on your behalf in your life and he's going to stand in your life in an enduring way. Glory to God. It means that God is going to be fixed in your life and that in the process of him being fixed in your life, he's going to fix anything that's wrong in your life. It's it, this word, this, this phrase, make it good in the Hebrew. It also means that God is going to, to make himself valid in your life. He's going to validate your faith in him, in your life. God's going to, 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 to prove himself on your behalf. This is powerful. Hallelujah. It says, hath he not spoken and shall he not make it good? That phrase, make it good, means that God is going to arise and become powerful. God's going to arise and come on the scene. God's going to be established and be confirmed. God's going to stand on your behalf. He's going to stand in your circumstances with you, and he's going to stand and endure on your behalf. God is going to be fixed in your circumstances, and he's going to fix your circumstances. God is going to validate you. He's going to be validated in your circumstances and he's going to validate your faith. That's what all that means when it says God's going to make it good. Hallelujah. Because the prophet says to Balak, I have received commandment to bless. I'm a prophet. Whatever God says, whatever word he puts in my mouth, that's what I got to say. And God has blessed. Therefore, I cannot reverse it. God has blessed you. And I don't care what the enemy tries to do. God will make it good. The enemy cannot reverse it. Can you say amen to that? So our first point is that God is interested in making things good in your life. Here's another witness for that in the word. Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 11. I'm not going to be long this morning. Just wanted to encourage you. I'm going to give you three points. The first point is that God is making something good in your life. Hallelujah. Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 11. And this is uh, one of my favorite verses of scripture. Uh, I got, I'm going to go back to verse 10, Isaiah 55 and verse 10. For as the rain comes down, and it's been coming down this morning where we are, and the snow from heaven and returns not there, but waters the earth and makes it bring forth and bud. Now we know that moisture does go into heaven, but when it says rain comes down, what it's saying is the way rain comes down from heaven, it doesn't go into heaven like that. We don't see rain shooting from the ground into the sky. We don't see that. The rain comes down and the snow from heaven and returns not there in the same way that it came, but waters the earth and makes it bring forth in bud so that it may give seed to the sower, but the eater. Here we go. Verse 11 said, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not 
return unto me void, but it shall accomplish. Glory to God. We're, we're talking about God's ability to make things happen. Our first point is that God is going to make something good happen in your life. God is going to make his word good on your behalf in your life. And it, that's what that word make good means. It means to that God's word is going to accomplish this, but it shall accomplish that which I please right here in Isaiah 55 verse 11. And it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. God's word is so miraculous that we have the ability to on purpose stand on God's word. And then we get to watch a miracle. You know, did you know that God is, is, has not stopped doing miracles? Did you know that every time you and I pray, every time we pray, whether it's something simple, perceived simple, or something in our mind that's perceived a big thing, whether it's a little thing, like, like we're asking God to help us feel better from this common cold, or whether it's a big thing, we're asking God to heal our bodies from something that is a terminal illness that might be threatening our lives. Whatever it is, it's a miracle that you and I can go before God. We can go into the presence of God and we can, we can say a few words to Almighty God and then we can be quiet and read his word and let God say a few words to us and then trust him and watch God do something we can watch a miracle take place that you and I, you know, what makes it a miracle is you can't do it yourself. It's not a miracle for me to pay my, it's not a miracle for me to pay a bill when I have a job and I get a paycheck and I can write a check. I can make a payment and pay that bill. That's not a miracle. It's a miracle when it's something that I can't do on my own. You know, when, when, I, when, when it feels like I, I'm struggling to, 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 to keep my marriage. And I'm praying to God, and I'm asking God for a miracle to turn the heart of my wife, who I've hurt or I've done something to, 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 to hurt our marriage. That's a miracle. That's something I can't do myself. When you can do it yourself, you don't need, you don't need God to step in. But when you can't do it yourself, then you need a miracle. You need God to step in. And every time you and I pray, miracles happen every time we pray. When we are praying, I'm asking God to do something that we can't do ourselves. Those are miracles that we are watching. But the powerful thing about the miracles, in my opinion, is not just the miracle. It's the fact that I can ask God for it on purpose and God will do it. Hallelujah. We're talking about this morning about God's ability to make good on his promises. Our first point is that God will make it good. Like we saw in Numbers chapter 23, did he not say it? He'll do it. Did he not speak it? He will make it good. Hallelujah. We define what make it good means. It's, God, it's God's ability to arise in your circumstances, to arise with power, to arise and come on the scene. And we can see in Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 11, the reason that God will do that is because his word is like that. His word, when it goes forth out of his mouth, it's like rain coming down from heaven that will make the earth bring forth and bud. It says in verse part, part B of, of, of verse 11, it shall not return into God void, but it shall accomplish that which God pleases. God wants to make it good. God wants to create some, some of his pleasure, some of his goodwill in your life. And he does that by releasing his word, but you and I have to trust him for it. And then it says, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. We're talking about God's ability as the maker of all things to make things good in your life. 
We saw in Numbers 23 and verse 19, we see it here in Isaiah 55, 11, and here's another place where we can see it in Psalm chapter 19, Psalm chapter 19 and verse seven, it says the law of the Lord, talking about the word of God, the word of God is perfect. The word of God has the ability to make things happen. We can see it in verse seven of Psalm chapter 19. So the law of the Lord is so perfect. It has the ability to literally convert your soul. I mean, there is, there is nothing on this planet that can do that. There's things that can affect our souls. There's things that we can get high off that can put us in a special place in our minds, but it's not sustainable, but only the word of God can literally convert our souls. God has the ability, God's word is so powerful and has such, and such an ability to make good. It has the ability to, to literally transform our soul, to turn our souls from one direction to another, to, to bring our souls back, to, to, to deliver our souls, to reposition our soul, to make our soul new again. Only God's word can do that. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, I want here's my next point, is that not only will God make things good for you, not only will he make things good for me, not only will he make his word good in our lives, God will also make us wise unto salvation. God wants to make you wise unto salvation. And that is to say that aside from God, there is no wisdom. It doesn't matter how intelligent we are. It doesn't matter how smart we are. It doesn't matter how much we read. It doesn't matter how, you know, what kind of education we have. Aside from God, we are all fools. And we may be smart fools, but whether you're a smart fool or a dumb fool, the fool is a fool. And my, my point is that God wants to make us wise. And the highest form of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. We're going to see that here in 2 Timothy chapter uh, three. Second Timothy chapter three. This is really good. Second Timothy chapter three. This is the, uh, the apostle Paul talking to his understudy, Timothy. And verse 14, it says, he's telling Timothy, he says, Tim, continue in the things which you have learned and have been assured of, knowing of whom you learn them. Or, or other words, in other words, to say, knowing that you heard those things, not just from me, Tim, not just from your mentor, Paul, it was from the spirit of God within me. He says, continue in those things that you have learned and you've been assured of knowing where you got it from. You didn't just get it from me. You got it from the Holy Ghost in me. You got it from Almighty God. And verse 15 says, and why? Because also remember this, that from a child with your grandmother, Eunice, thank you, and his mother, Lois, from a child, Timothy, you knew the Holy Scriptures, and they made you wise into salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And here's the point, is that God's word, not only does God's word make things good in our lives, God's word will make us wise. And that's what happened to Timothy. It happened to him when he was young, just from, a, from the time he was a child. But then God went on top of that when he got around Timothy, or he got around Paul, and Paul would preach the word by the Holy Ghost that was in Paul. It made Timothy wise into salvation. And this is what it says in verse 15. It says that from a child, you were, you, you from a child, thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. And I want you, I want to define this word known. This word known in the Greek, it's adu, and it means that Timothy, from, from the time that he was a child, he got the wisdom of God. This word adu, known, it means that he perceived with his eyes and with his senses the word of God. Did you know that if the word of God 
is in your heart, if it's in your life, if you're always listening to the word of God, then you're always having your faith be built up. And but you, it's something that you can perceive, not only with your eyes, the word of God can be perceived with your senses. That is to say that you can touch the word of God. You can hear the word of God. You can see the word of God. You can smell the word of God. You can discern God's presence in his word. There's something about the word that it, it, it has an effect on all of your senses. And that's what this word known, the Holy Scriptures means. It means it's, it's the Greek word adu, and it means that Tim, Timothy, he knew the Holy Scriptures. He perceived with his eyes and his senses from the time that he was a child. He noticed God's presence ever since he was a child because he was around the word all the time. He noticed God's presence. He noticed you know, God moving. He noticed the angels of God ministering. He noticed the presence of God in every service. And here's the, here's the only danger to knowing the Holy Scriptures from the time that you are a child. You know, my children are in that position. I'm in that position. I've known the word ever since I was a child. The only danger is that we can sometimes make sure that we, we have to make sure that we're not too familiar with God's presence. We have to make sure that we still respect God's presence. We're going to get to that in a minute. Respect God's glory. We have to make sure that we continue to discern and appreciate God's presence because we're so used to it. I'm so used to peace. I'm so used to, to, the, to that sense of well-being that comes from always being around the word of God, always hearing the word of God, always being in the presence of God, always, always being comfortable when I'm in a service where God's high praises and his high worship is going you know that is a did you know that that is a breeding ground for miracles when you are in a place where there are where there is more than one believer of the lord jesus christ and we're worshiping god together that is a breeding ground for miracles and for favor and for gifts of the spirit and for the presence of the lord in a mighty way but but as people who have been who have known the Holy Scriptures from the time that we were a child, sometimes we have to be careful that we don't get too familiar with God's presence. Because it says that 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 Tim, he he adu, he adu the Holy Scriptures. He noticed, he discerned, he perceived with his senses, he perceived with his eyes, he discovered from the time that he was a child. He 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 was able to discover the Holy Scriptures. He had high regard, he cherished. He had understanding. That's what that word adu means from the time that he was a child. And you know what it did to him? It made him wise unto salvation. Did you know that if you are around the word of God, if you are in the presence of God, if you are continually worshiping the spirit of God, it does something to you. It does something to your senses. It does something to your, to your um, ability to know God, to your discernment, to your ability to discover God and have high regard for his presence. You know what it does? It makes you wise. And it doesn't just make you wise, it makes you wise into salvation. I want to talk about that real quick, where it says it makes us wise into salvation. Glory to God. It says that right here in part B of 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15. Timothy knew the Holy Scriptures. They made him wise. God wants to make you wise unto salvation. That word wise is powerful. In the Greek, it's the word sophizo. And you know what it sounds like? It sounds like sophisticated. When I first uh, met AJ and my wife, that was one of the things that I found attractive about her was that I, I, it, I just felt like she was really sophisticated. It, it felt to me like she was just really 
it was easy to, for me to discern that she was just, um, she just, she just cared about all the little details. She just put herself together well. She just, she, 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 she presented herself really well. She just, man, it just felt like she was high level. That, that's what I want, you know? That's sophistication. That's what this word suffizo means. It means to approach something and especially to teach something or to present something with a great level of skill and attention to detail. It means that if, if I'm teaching a curriculum, I'm devising it with such meticulousness that it's coming across in a very clever way to where those that are listening can tell that, oh, I know this is gonna be good. I know that as, if I listen, I'm not gonna be the same when this course is over as I am right now. That's what that word suffizo means. That's what it means when it says wise, make thee wise in salvation. It's the Greek word suffizo. It means to, to present something or to teach something with great skill and great attention to detail. It means to devise a curriculum with such meticulous attention to detail and with such cleverness that the person who is in the course knows when this is done, I'm not gonna be the same. That's what this word wisdom means. That's what the word wise means, glory to God. Here's another place in James chapter one and verse five. It, this is what it says. This is, the, this is James, the brother of Jesus, who was full of the wisdom of God. He says, if any of you lack Sophia, that's what this word wisdom means in the Greek. If any of you lack Sophia, let him ask of God that gives to all men freely and upbraids not and God will give it. That word Sophia, it sounds like suffizo, uh, wisdom that we just saw, but this is not a presentation teaching type Sophia uh, wisdom. This is a broad and full intelligence that comes from Almighty God. This, this, so this wisdom that God's talking about is the kind of wisdom that will make you successful in life, no matter what circumstance you are in, no matter what you do. It, it's the kind of wisdom that will give you the ability to do things that you don't have an education for. You don't even have a degree in that thing. And yet God gave you the ability to perceive what to do anyway. You didn't even talk to an expert on that. You went to God in prayer and God told you. And you didn't even know that what God was telling you was the same thing that an expert would tell you if you could get that meeting with an expert. That's the kind of wisdom we're talking about where it says if any of you lack Sophia, it's that broad and full intelligence. It's the, it's the broad and full intelligence used that gives you knowledge in all kinds of diverse matters. You know, you can tell that you're getting the wisdom of God when you go and you pray to God about something. You're going to go talk to God about something. You're going to go commune or consult with God about something. And the spirit of God tells you to do something. You know, I'm just making this up just to, for, for illustration purposes. I go to God and tell God, Lord, I, I, I've been having these pains in my stomach. I, and I'm going to go to the doctor too. I, I go to the doctor. I get a diagnosis. But I go to God too. And God tells me to do something that the doctor didn't tell me to do. Who knows? God tells me, I'm just making this up. God tells me to, to, to rub some anointing oil on my stomach every night and then and, and drink a ginger ale, okay? I'm just making this up. But my, my point is that I, whatever it is that God tells me to do, I do what God tells me to do. And I don't even know that there's something supernatural that's happening as a result of what God tells me to do. Maybe I found, and maybe I find out later the benefits of that ginger ale or that oil I was rubbing on my stomach and how that affected me. You know, 
my, my point is that God will give you a Sophia wisdom. It's a wisdom that is far above and beyond even what you understand and perceive about the circumstances. It's a broad and full of intelligence, knowledge on many diverse matters. It's a specialized and varied knowledge. It's, 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 it, watch this. This word Sophia means it even spills over into the act of interpreting, interpreting your dreams and giving you the sagest advice for whatever circumstances are coming against you or whatever circumstances you might be dealing with. It's an intelligence that comes from the mysterious presence of Almighty God. Because the presence of God is mighty and mysterious. You can't always articulate it, but there's an intelligence that comes. You know, just me as a, as a man, but, but not just a man, as a man that seeks the Lord all the time, God gives me wisdom that doesn't make sense to where I don't have to spout off and I'm wise unto salvation. It'll just be in me. I'll just do things that are coming from being around God, from being in his presence all the time. He gives me Sophia. He gives me that wisdom that he says we're all lacking, but if we ask, God will give it to us. And if we dwell in God's presence, we can certainly have it. We're talking this morning about how God will make it good for you. God will make you wise. We see that here in James chapter one and verse five. We saw it in second Timothy chapter three and verse 15. And then we can see it one more time in Proverbs chapter one and verse seven. And I'm closing. Proverbs chapter one and verse seven says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and under and, and instruction. Proverbs chapter nine and verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy is understanding. What are you saying, Pastor John? What I'm saying is that God wants to make you wise, but make no mistake about it. If you and I don't fear the Lord, then we can't experience the wisdom of God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Your respect for God's word, your respect for God's word being spoken, your respect, your respect for, 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 for even going to God in prayer, that is the beginning of wisdom. And the Bible says that, that it, it, it's the ones that don't respect God, that don't fear God, they are the fools. The fools are the ones that have said in their heart, I don't need God, I don't need to fear God, I can do my own thing. They are the fools because those who respect God, those who respect the fact that I'm looking outside right now at, a at several beautiful trees, that those trees didn't just get here. They didn't just make themselves. Almighty God created those trees. I fear the Lord. I fear the Lord who is the maker of all things that is the beginning of my wisdom. And because I fear the Lord, I fear his word. I respect God's presence enough to, to be in God's presence. I respect God's word enough to fill my heart with God's word. And that is the beginning of wisdom. That's the starting place for wisdom. And here's my last point. Not only will God make it good, not only will God make you wise, God wants to make all things new in your life. God wants to make you new. And, that's, and that we see that in Revelation chapter 21. This is what it says in verse one. This is uh, the apostle John talking. God's giving him all these visions while he's on that island all by himself. He says, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, come down from God. Out of, I mean, are you kidding me? Have you ever seen this in the word? God is making the heaven, the heaven that we're headed for. It's not a heaven that's all obscure, just in the sky. God is about to make a heaven that's, that he, that's coming out of him. It says coming down from God 
out of heaven. This heaven that God is making that we're all that we're all going to be in one day is coming directly from God out of heaven and prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. God's preparing it for us, just like you know, a special wedding day. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Verse 4 says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And here we go, verse 5. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold. Mm. I'm going to tell you something. Anytime Jesus says anything, I'm, I'm, I'm attentive. I'm listening. But when God says, listen here, when Jesus says, look, when Jesus says, listen up, that's what he means when he says, behold, he says, he, he's going to raise whatever it is that he's about to say, Jesus is emphasizing what he's about to say, that we need the fact that we even need Jesus to emphasize anything. I don't think so, but he still says for emphasis, behold, that means what God is, what Jesus is about to say is heavy. Now, Jesus said it, we know it's heavy, but he says, behold, I make all things new. Glory to God. He that sat upon the throne said, behold, I make all things new. Did you know that that's what Jesus does? Jesus makes everything new. He is, I don't even, this is not even a word, not even a phrase, but I'm going to say it. Jesus is the new maker. He's the one that makes everything new. You know, Jesus is the truth teller. He is the creator of all things, but he's also, he's the new maker. This word new, it, it's the Greek word kainos. And you know what it means? It means that this is something, this, this is, I'm, I'm just going to say it. This word kainos, it means that Jesus is the one that takes things that are stale and he makes them fresh. God, Jesus is the one that takes something that has been terribly worn and used up, and he makes it like it's never been touched before. He makes it unused. He makes it unworn. I want you to think about that for a second. Remember when you first bought that, that, that pair of Air Force Ones, and out of the box, it smelled brand new, and there was just not a flaw on it. It was so bright, you almost need a pair of shades. It's so nice, you don't even want to wear it because it's so nice and so white and so clean you don't you certainly don't want to wear it if it's going to be raining or if it's going to be snowing or if there's a whole bunch of bunch of dirt where you're going you're not wearing those air force ones those air force ones they're only new like that once i don't care how good you take care of them i don't care how how little you wear them they're only new like that once but when we look at jesus who is the new maker he is the kanos he is the one that makes all things kanos that's like you being that pair of Air Force Ones. And every time you come out of the box, every time you come out of the place of prayer and the word, you are brand new again. Hallelujah. There's something about being in around Jesus that keeps us new all the time. If you don't believe it, I'm gonna show you in another place in the word. This is what it says in Ephesians chapter four. And this is my final close. Ephesians chapter four. I'm not gonna read the whole thing, but if we go down Ephesians chapter four, and verse 20 says, but you have not so learned Christ as you, if so, you have been, if, if so, you have heard him and I've been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust. And then it says in verse 23 and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Hallelujah. It says be renewed 
in the spirit of your mind because Jesus is the one that makes things new. Hallelujah. God wants us to continually be made new over and over and over again. That word renewed is the Greek word ananoia and ananoas. And what it means is that God is doing something to you. If you're a pair of Air Force One, God is doing something to you that makes you continually new every single time you come out of the box. That's impossible, but God does it anyway, because with God, all things are possible. He makes us new. That's a continual state of being renovated. It's like having a home that there, there's no time for anything to get old in that home because there's something in that home that makes it always continuously renovated from the gutters to the roof, to the basement, to the attic, to the windows, to the carpet, to the floors, to the windows, everything in that house is continually being renovated all the time. So as so consequently, if you want to call it a consequence, the house can't be, it can't get old. The house can't get stale. It can't get to a place where it's been used up. It can't get up to a place where it's been where it has all kinds of flaws and all kinds of issues from use, not even from anything bad, but just issues from use. It can't get to a place where it has issues from use because it's continually being renovated all the time. That's what the spirit of God does to you. And that's what the spirit of God does for me. I'm closing. God wants to make everything good in your life. And he wants to make his word good in your life. God wants to make you wise unto salvation. Hallelujah. And God wants to make you new again. He makes all things new. I'm going to give you this final verse as we close. In Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18, God says, remember not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I want to tell you one of the blessing of God giving you some kanos, giving you his newness, his freshness, his ability to make that which was worn, make it like it's never been worn ever, ever before. The, the blessing about that is you don't, you can't get tired of it. I can't get tired of being saved. I can't get tired of praying and being in the word and worshiping the Lord. And I'm 43 years old. And I first got saved when I was 12. I haven't gotten tired of it yet because God keeps he keeps making it fresh. You know, I, 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 can't, I can't get tired of my wife after 20 years because God keeps making our marriage fresh. He keeps making it, making it new. He keeps making it, you know, special. He keeps making it fresh out of the box and it, to where it smells like, like it's brand new, like, like, I, like no foot has ever been in these shoes. That's how powerful God does for us. He makes it good. He makes us wise into salvation. And then he makes us new continually over and over and over again. Jesus said, behold, in Revelation chapter 21, verse five, he says, behold, I make all things new. Hallelujah. I want you to pray with me. Father, I thank you for your presence. I thank you, Lord, for those listening today, Lord. I ask you, Lord God, to show yourself strong on their behalf, Lord. I thank you for your word. You are not a man that you should lie, nor the son of man that you should repent. Did you not say it? You'll do it. Did you not speak it? You will make it good. Hallelujah. I thank you, Lord God, that you have, that you have in our lives, you have made us wise unto salvation and that from a young age, or even if not from a young age, from the time that we have, that we were saved, that you've made us 
to know the Holy Scriptures, to perceive and discover the Holy Scriptures, and they have made us wise unto salvation. And I thank you, Lord God, that you have made us new creatures in Christ Jesus. You have made all things new, even the things that are old. You said, remember not the old things, remember not the former things. Behold, you are doing a new thing. Lord, I thank you for that new thing. I thank you for that freshness for your people today. And we thank you, Lord God, for your goodness and your mercy in our lives. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Glory to God. My voice, we're going to go ahead and close the service. Thank you for joining. And if you Lord bless you. Hallelujah.